This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. With you, most of us only get really short glimpses of it. In fact, that's all we can contain. It's all we can actually have because it's a pure heaven. In fact, I, I like, um, liken the word of glory as just pure heaven. And, you know, and so as we talk about it today, is that most of us go, I just want pure heaven. But to be honest with you, you're not ready for it. And God wants you to get ready for the purity of heaven. And I'm, I have a passage that the Lord gave to me just last minute before I got up here. Um, it's found in 2 Timothy 4. And I believe it's the, the, one of the reasons we're having such struggles in our society today with, um, with one another. Whether there's so, and there's so much division, if we were to be honest in our, in our culture today, even in America, we as one nation, um, yet this nation's so divided in so many different ways, whether it be race, whether it be a political party, whether it be generational, um, whether it be on one wear a mask, not to wear a mask, there's so many different ways and different concepts of being divided today. It's very um, disheartening. And yet, Jesus made it so clear and wanted us to be united. In fact, he said that to his disciples, how are they going to know you're my disciples? Because the love you have for one another. And in Philippians chapter 2, it says, if there's one thing that you could do, is that you would be united in Christ. United. And so we know that God's perspective is unity. God's perspective is unity. Satan's perspective is division. And yet today we see so many Christians not seeing the basic truth of those concepts. So many of us are getting so divided, and yet as Christians, that ought not be. And so, Pastor, um, um, I'm, what I'm going to try to do is try to help you understand the hour we're living in and bring an awareness to you scripturally what you need to start, you know, even asking yourself, do I have these tendencies, do I have these, these, this sin nature flaring out and reacting to the things that are going on at the outside of me, or am I literally allowing God's glory to work through my life. Then 2 Timothy chapter four, this wasn't in my notes, so you can write it down, please. I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Preach the word, Timothy. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming, this is the time is coming, the time we're living in right now, when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and they'll chase after myths. But Timothy, you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God 
The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Itching ears to hear what we want to hear. Many of us will uh, see, and we, we, wherever we work, or whether we're in school, or if we can even commune in school today, or whatever kind of community that we're in, our ears are always listening to, and if we're honest with ourselves, we are literally, uh, we, we really are listening for the things that interest us, things that we agree with. And yet, if you read the Bible, like the, you know, the way God wants you to read it, there is so much wholesome teaching that you don't want to hear, that you don't want to listen to, because it's areas in your life that you need to change, areas in your life that you need to repent from, areas in your life, and in fact, you know, today we have, you know, I hear many times people, they're living together, and I'm just going to say this right on the screen, they're living together. If you're living together, you're in sin. Okay, you can't have sex before marriage. It's sin. Everybody say sin. And so we don't want to call it sin. What we want to call it is interest, and I'm just trying it. I'm, you know, seeing if we're going to be compatible. You know, we got all these different words today, but God has one word. It's called sin, and that we need to repent of it. And then in what happens, in, in, in what we do is we're so afraid to tell people, and yet Timothy said right here, he says, there are going to be people that have itching ears to hear what they want to hear, and so all these things are okay. Everything is okay. Gossip's okay. Homosexuality's okay. Sin is okay. Everything is okay. Drunkenness is okay. Being high is okay. Everything's okay. It's not okay, because anything that takes you a consciousness away from God is not okay. God wants you to be conscious toward him first. And that, that's what glory is. And that's what I want to share today. Glory is having a consciousness of who God is in your life. And that's what God wants you to do. And, so, and today we have so many people getting so caught up and saying, you know what, I just, I just want to have a way out. I just want to have a way in, in, you know, to endure this hostile world that I'm, I'm living in. And I'm here to tell you that the world today is hostile to God. If you're choosing God, if you have a desire and a passionate desire to want more of God in your life, it is hostile to live in. If you start talking about the word of God, if you start proclaiming who God is in your life, you start sharing how great God is, the world is going to be hostile to you. The Bible says that they went over there and they, they actually, with Christ, they said that, you know what, that there was animosity and there was frustration, there was religion that was hostile to Christ. And God, and Jesus said it very clearly, he said, if they're hostile to me, they're going to be hostile to my disciples, my children, they're going to be. And so many of us, what we want to do is, what we do is we shut down what our faith factor in our life so that the world won't hate us. So that the world, and yet God's putting you right in that world that would hate you because they need to see who he is in you. That if you ever thought of that God would plant you right in a hostile environment, 
You know, we just read it in Timothy. He says, I have run the race. Paul says that it's time for me to die. And so many of us going over there, we're not really looking at this thing. And he said, don't be afraid of suffering. If we were really truthful in our own hearts, how many of us would wake up and be very afraid of suffering? I don't want to suffer, Pastor Ron. I I mean, nor do I. But the thing is, is I want to have the fear of God in my life and a reverence for God in my life more than I have a fear of man. And yet, that fear of man has been taught to me since I was a child growing up on the school grounds. You know what I mean? When you were in that, in that little playground area over there and you were, you were not picked to play? And so you learned behaviors to do whatever you could so that you wouldn't be picked on so that you could be picked. So you learned all these behaviors to be a people pleaser just so that you wouldn't feel that, that, that frightful thing called rejection. And so you learned the vein of, of going how, to, how not to be rejected and to follow the ways of the world so that you wouldn't be rejected and yet the Bible's so clear, it says don't follow the ways of the world. And so here we are as children learning how to follow the ways of the world and now we are growing up in God and says, God, how do I, I need to resist the tendency because the tendency to follow the ways of the world is obviously hostile to God. Let's recap and review a little bit. Romans chapter 8, 28 to 30. I'm gonna read from the Amplified Translation. And we know with great confidence that God, who's deeply concerned about us, causes all things to work together as a plan for good for those who love God to those who are called according to his plan and purpose. For those whom he foreknew and loved and chose beforehand, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son and ultimately share in his complete sanctification so that he would be the firstborn, the most beloved and honored among many believers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, them he also justified. And he declared free of the guilt of sin. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Just for some recap, God desires for you to draw near to him. Draw close to God. It's a choice. You can literally be despondent and not have any kind of desire to get in his word to get in, you know what, to get in prayer, to get into worship, but God desires your heart to be completely clear clear with a love and adoration to him. God wants you to overcome the enemy's attacks, and the enemy is attacking. He wants you to overcome and not succumb to them. God is going to have his last chapter in these last days. He is not going to allow this last hour for the enemy to be the one that is talked about. That Jesus Christ wants to show and wants to have this last chapter, the church is greater than COVID. That the church and the glory of who God is is greater than all of the pressures that are going on. I'm not denying what's going on on the outside, but I don't want to deny how great Jesus is anymore. That God wants you to get in that elevator we talked about a couple weeks ago, and that's a choice to go over there. You can stay on floor one, and you know, be like a child, and God loves you as a child, or you can get in that elevator and allow God to raise you up into that highly place where he, he's called you. I called it floor 91. I, you know what? Go over there. God wants you to get into that place, and we'll give a couple passages for that in just a moment. 
And number one, and I have in, our, in my study notes, is you are called to a higher place and you're justified to be there. You didn't earn any right. You didn't do anything that made you right. There's nothing inside of your course of actions and your decision make that gave you the right to be on floor 91 or in that elevator. Jesus did that for you. And that he's in that elevator coaching you to say, push that button. I want you to rise up with me, son. I want you to rise up with me, daughter, and be in that place. And we're going to give you some examples of that, even in the notions of men of God or women of God, what happens in, in that light of it, because when you get caught up in that moment, all of a sudden you are literally, there's this, this place of awe and this place of woe. That's what glory is. Let me, let me just, I, you know what, the scripture kind of, it alludes to it much better. Isaiah chapter 6 Verse one, it was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Now, before you go on any further, when you get into scriptures, study what is the era and the time and what's going on. King Uzziah was a a great man leading a great revival for God. And here is Isaiah caught up in this moment, more than likely just saying, now what? Have you ever had one of those now what moments where you're going, I mean, it was, it was good, God. What was going on was good. And you had some really good leadership. Not, now what? And here is in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. What I love about Isaiah is here is he doesn't go over there and just wait for God to do something else. He presses in to God that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple, attending him with a mighty seraphim, each having six wings. Two wings they covered their faces, two they covered their feet, two they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over for me. I'm doomed. For I am a sinful man, I am filthy lips, and I have among people with filthy lips, yet I have seen the king in the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of uh, tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here I am, send me. So here's what I was saying, this awe and this woe all in this glorious moment. Let's just recap real quick here in this, what's going on. King Uzziah has died. And, he, and what, is, what does Isaiah do? He presses in, God, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going to happen next. I've really seen a lot of your work, kind of like where we're at with the church. God, we've had a really good run with it. We've seen a lot of people get saved. We've seen a lot of marriages restored. We've seen people healed. We've seen the move of God. And all of a sudden, COVID happened, and everything just got hung out to dry. Lord, what we should be doing is not trying to figure out how it needs to go back to where it was. Because God has a new work and a new thing he wants to do in our lives and through our lives. And so we need to press into God. And some of us right now just want to go, I just want it back to the way it was. I just want to, you know what, I don't want to, I just, and I get that notion. 
in many ways, my own heart goes, I just like it the way it was, not the way it is. But that's not what God is saying in this hour. What God is saying in this hour, here's, here's what Isaiah is doing. He says, God, I liked it when the King Uzziah was alive. I liked it underneath his leadership. I liked what you were doing through this man of God. I liked how, you know what, even my prayers, and it seems like I had a partner on the team. Now I feel like, oh my goodness, I'm all alone again. And he presses into God. And I love it. All of a sudden, he, he sees God, not in this lowly place. He gets off and gets in that elevator, floor 91. He goes, whoa, I am now. And, and what does he do? He goes, wow. He sees these angels. Can you hear the wow? He sees all these angels, these seraphim angels, and they're going, holy, holy. And he's caught up in that moment before he even knows it. All of a sudden, his conscience gets engaged. I don't belong here. That's exactly what happens with glory. Moses sees a burning bush, drawn to it. Look what God's doing. That's not right. There's something really weird about it. God goes, take your shoes off, man. He's so caught up, he doesn't even realize that he's not ready for that moment. That's exactly what happens with glory. God wants that in your prayer life. God wants that in your worship time. God wants that going over there in your circle with your fellowship and your friends. God is longing for you to have these glorious moments. And by the way, these moments, how long do you think that moment actually took him? How many messages have been preached off of it? See, what we don't really understand is we want to say, I just want to live in his presence. I just, you couldn't contain it. You couldn't handle it. All you can handle is just a flick, a flick of it. That's why the Bible says that in one moment, in just a twinkling of an eye, you're going to be transformed from this place in your body to the next because the new body can contain it, can handle the presence of God in its fullness. The one you got right now can just get zapped by it. Are you guys hearing me? And yet God wants us to have those little moments. And then he wants us to brag about those moments. He wants us to talk about those moments. He wants you to seek the next one. Not so that you're a moment, you know, driving person. He wants you to share who he is. And he wants you to experience all he has for your life. Because this world needs to see the light of God on the inside of you. And I'm going to tell you something. I know I live in that dark world. Just like you do. I go to the same gas pumps, I go to the same food markets, I go to the same you know, hardware stores, I do all the same things. I'm working with you know, parents and students and talking to all of them, say, hey, what, in fact, I can't tell you how many parents say, what are you gonna do with your children this year? People that are even out of the state. What's your state like? What are you guys doing with your students? And you know what, every single parent that I talk to from even other states, there's this thing called confusion that hits every single one of them. I look in their eyes, and all I see is confusion. Who's the author of confusion? Satan is the author of confusion. And yet, that's not what they see. All they do is see an answer. They see a dilemma. They see their children. Here's Isaiah. He sees a dilemma. King Uzziah is dead. That's a real thing. He was part of, the, you know, the part of watching the whole thing take place. And I'm sure there was a huge entourage. I'm sure there was a great honorarium situation. He was part of that. That's the reality of it. 
the reality of it is right now schools, whether you, you know whether they're doing it on you know online or whether they're doing it you know uh, in in classrooms or whatever. That's the reality of it. But what is God speaking to inside of you, parent? What is God speaking into you, Dad? And what I, I long for this moment where Dad's praying and Mom's praying. And all of a sudden, they're both hearing the same thing. And if they don't hear the same thing, my God, don't do what she said. Don't do what he said. Go over there, get back in your prayer closets, and let's find out what we say. Because that's where the blessing's going to be. And you got to obey when God speaks. In fact, just this last week, my lawnmower died, 30 years old. Remember, that's the thing that God promised me and blessed me with? Let me tell you something. This is the coolest thing over there. God told me to give my one tractor away to a church. My Honda liquid-cooled tractor. That was a painful experience, okay? And then I went over there, and we had a big hill to, to, to climb, and I go, I go, this is funny, you're going to get, I said, God, how's my wife going to push that mower all the way up that lake? <laughs> so anyway, so we landed up going, we didn't have the money, we gave away the lawnmower. It wasn't like we had the money to go over there and give one away and get another one. God asked us to suffer through obedience, and so we gave that lawnmower away, we took our, our push mower, and we pushed that whole year. God blessed my company so much that I had to have a tax write-off, and I bought a Kubota tractor and a big Kubota for me, baby Kubota for her, all right? And so I have, I've just got rid of, I got rid of the big Kubota a long time ago. God told me to give that away. Baby Kubota. Still been sitting around 30 years. Who gets it right? The thing starts up as a champ. Now the mower deck is struggling right now. God, I, 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 and it just died. In fact, it was 8 o'clock at night. I'm going to tell you my sin in a minute because it, this isn't a glorious moment all of a sudden here. All right? It's 8 o'clock at night. My wife's mowing the lawn. She's got the lights on the tractor. And I'm just like looking at her. And I'm like, so anyway, <laughs> we could do better things and ride the tractor right now. But anyway, she's out there mowing, and all of a sudden it dies. The mower, the thing just, you can smell it, it's burning and everything else. And she goes, comes downstairs, and I'm having, a, I'm just, I'm watching TV, I'm trying to chill out. And then she goes, the mower deck. And I remember, just a month ago, the thing was tipped over on her. Same mower. So I'm like, at least it's not tipped over on her, all right? Because she's screaming, the mower's tipped over. You, yeah, when you all see Brenda, you need to talk to her. Anyway, all right, so anyway, this is the same situation a month later, and I handled it inappropriately. I handled it with frustration. I, it with, I handled it with anger, and she just looked at me, and I, I thank God for the way she looked at me because I saw Jesus in her, and Jesus wasn't coming on me. Are you guys listening? And I'm, here's the thing is I want to share with you. God reconciles us to him. God reconciles truth. I didn't go to have itching ears to prove, well, you know what? If she didn't mow the lawn at eight o'clock, this wouldn't have happened, although that was a thought, all right? And if she would just take care of things and she just listened to her husband, that would, that's not what I did. When I went over and said, God, it doesn't matter about mowing. This was a test for me and I failed it. I want to be Christ-like in every situation, in every scenario. I want Christ. And so when I'm pushed and I'm shoved and I'm, on, and whether it's a person with their car cutting me off, whether it's somebody flipping me off, whether it's somebody else doing something, saying some malicious thing to me, I want Christ to come out of my heart in every given situation. My wife had a scenario that was tough, 
Caused by her, doesn't matter. I handled it not Christ-like. This is where you need to start getting. There was no glory that came out of my mouth. Okay? This is what God wants in our life. He said, all things work together for them that love God are called according to his plan and his purpose. God's plan and purpose isn't to make my life easy. God's plan and purpose is that when every situation, whether I'm suffering or whether I'm prospering, he be glorified, he be expressed. And I've had both, whether it's been good or whether it's been bad, and sometimes the good, I have not given God enough an acknowledgement, and sometimes the bad, I'm not even seeing him because I'm too much involved with feeling sorry for myself. But God wants to be expressed in every facet of my life, that he be glorified, that he be expressed, that people see the light of who he is inside of my heart, that the things I say, that they can see it in my eyes, that they can see, in fact, many times I've had employees, I've had my wife, and say that my eyes sometimes do not reflect the love of Christ, and sometimes they're very intimidating. So I'm working on it. I'm not there. I'm not even close to there. But now I'm not, not, I'm not having itching ears to sit there and go, well, I deserve to be frust- you know, frustrated at times. Other people get dis- frustrated at times, and they live like this. I deserve to have a right to be frustrated. I'm not having an itching ear to hear what I want to hear. I'm having going, God, that's not who you are. That's not who you are. That's not a redeemed soul of Jesus Christ. That's not living on floor 91. That's not showing who you're going to. I'm gonna, I, I need God. I'm like Isaiah. I'm on floor 91. I'm lifted up. I don't deserve to be here. Please touch me with your coals. Please touch my lips. Please touch my feet. God, please touch my heart. God, show me. Express you are in my worship, in my prayer time. God, do a work inside of my life so that the world doesn't see Ron. They see you living through me. Number two, pure heaven gives you God's perspective of you and his plan, having that right identity. Colossians 3, if you have your um, smart device or Bible right there, Colossians 3, we're gonna uh, turn to a couple different passages. If then you have been raised with Christ, so if you are in floor 91, God's allowing you to, you know, you're getting up there, you push the button, say, God, I know that I'm called to, to higher places. I'm, I'm not called to talk like this. I'm not called to think like this. I'm not called to respond like this. I know you got me in a, I know you've called me to higher places. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on the things that are on this earth. For you have died. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him. And here's that word, Glory. See, glory doesn't talk like this world. It doesn't think like this world. It doesn't respond like this world. So if you find yourself responding like this world, thinking like this world, talking like this world, reacting like this world, then probably is that you're not having those moments that where God wants to be glorious through your life. Number three, pure heaven. Glory has a different attire. Glory has a different attire. It means you have to wear that right perspective. Colossians 3.10, and having clothed yourself with the new spiritual self, which is ever in the present process of being renewed and remolded into a fuller, more perfect knowledge upon knowledge, after the image, the likeness of him who created it. So you have clothed yourself with a new spiritual self. What does that look like? In Acts chapter 3, we have an example of this. Peter and John, 
These are John, uh, Jesus' disciples. Jesus is already in heaven now. He's at the right hand of the Father. Peter and John have just gone through the Pentecostal time. They've just been filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter's had his first preaching session. Here we are, found in Acts chapter 3. Peter and John went into the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer time. What are they doing? Even after they had so much time with God, they can't get enough of it. They want more. As they approached the temple, a man lame from birth was being carried. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, and the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold, but I'll give you what I have in the name of Jesus Christ, Nazareth. Get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And, he, and as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up and stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with him. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was this, the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in the amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. I'm going to read another passage to you and um, found in Acts chapter 7 in just a minute. Now, Peter and John had seen this man many times before. They had gone to the temple. This man had always stationed himself there. Here's the thing. So many times when we get into a similar situation, workplace, gas station, supermarket, same person that's, you know, maybe buying a cup of coffee in front of us. Many times we get caught up in just the same, we got bumper stickers, right? Same day, right? And we get caught up with not seeing that God, even though it's the same scenario, same environment, same person, we don't know that God says, today's a glory moment. This moment's a glory moment. And because we get caught up in the same, we miss the glory moment. Peter and John had seen this many, and that's what we don't read in the scripture. They had seen this man many different times, but God wanted to do something different in that hour and different in that moment. Whether Peter and John were not ready for it before, or whether this man wasn't ready for it, or both of the above. It doesn't matter. Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, was about to do something different. And I see so many people today, we're going over there, and we just get caught up in the same, waiting for that day just to pass by. And yet we're expecting God to robotically shift us out of our floor one and move us into floor 91 and God goes no you need to get prepared your heart needs to get ready because I'm about to do something and all of a sudden we get we're ready for that hour God doesn't do something that day that's okay you're still being readied how many times did Peter and John see this man How many times did Peter and John walk by this man but this moment this hour they didn't How many of you are ready for that hour, for God's glory? How many of you are ready for God to do something in that moment? I'm going to give you another example of it, and then we're going to close. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, I'm picking up verse 55, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven, saw, here's that word again, 
the glory of God. A moment in history, something that God does, and it's unique. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of told them, look, I see the heaven opened and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And his accusers looked off their, uh, took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. See, would you be okay with a glorious moment where you're stoned to death? Because that's what God did here. Stephen, in Acts chapter 6, we find that he's one of the high ones called into service to God. By the way, serving God, whether you're doing it in nursery, whether you're picking up wrappers, whether, whatever you do, whether you're in praise and worship, whatever, it's a high call to serve God. Amen? It's just a high call to serve God in any capacity. It's, it's a high call. Stephen is following that calling. And he's arrested because of it. And during that arrest, the Lord, by the Holy Spirit, speaks to him one of the greatest preaching messages from all the way from Genesis to the book of Acts time period. And then the Holy Spirit fills him with a visual. Body of Christ, I, I, I can't share enough that. Paul says, I've made their eyes of their understanding and light. Do you know that God wants you to see him in his glory? God wants you to see that, whether it's in your dreams, whether it's a vision, whether it's an impression, whether it just, God wants you. Don't try to see him through your wife, through your husband, through your kids, through your pastor, through some other, you know, you know some other uh, preaching on, you know, whether it be on the web or what. God doesn't want you to see through another person's eyes. He wants you to see the, through the eyes of your heart. Are you longing for God to reveal who he is to you? God wants to reveal himself to you. First thing we need to be doing is seek God. Seek him. And if you seek him, you will find him. You will find him. Here's what happens. Stephen seeks God. Sees God in his glory. Now, do you think for a moment as he's saying that and seeing God that you think his next 10 minutes is going to be a stoning? I don't think so. I don't think so. But you know what happened in those next 10 minutes? Those next 10 minutes opened the gate for God to forgive a man who was lost in his way. That was Saul who you know, know to be Paul. Saul ordered the stoning of Stephen. The guy that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament was the guy that they threw their coats at. It says, stone him to death. And Stephen 
like Jesus, not afraid to suffer, he says, God, don't lay this charge against them. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. I believe Stephen's prayer released the grace of God to move right into Paul's life. And that whatever Paul ever did in God, it's on Stephen's account. Whatever Paul did, some of our lives will intersect one person for a moment or intersect a situation for a moment. And that person could do way more than we could ever imagine. But because of your intersection and your glorious moment with Jesus and your words that you spoke or the actions that you took with that person, change the course of that person's life because of the glory of God that showed up in that moment. And what they did for God is on your account. Well, that doesn't seem fair. I didn't even do anything. Oh, we absolutely did. You obeyed God. All God wants is for a child to obey him. Ananias, we find in the Bible, just did a couple different things. Laid his hands, and he argued with God. And he goes, God talks to Ananias. Hey, go see Saul, who's going to be Paul. He goes, yeah, you ever? Hey, it's like God doesn't know. Hey, hey, God, do you really know what this guy's doing? I've heard everything that he's done. He says, yeah, he's my guy. Are you sure that he's your guy? Go lay hands on him, Ananias. God will ask you to do things that you don't want to do. And it is time for us to grow up. Because the passage I gave to you when we opened up this service, 2 Timothy chapter 4, where it says it will come a time where people have itching ears to hear what they don't want to hear, hear what they want to hear. I have had people prophesy over me to be slow and accurate. I did not want to hear that. I had people prophesy when he says, you will be a stone tumbling along the riverside because you have so many rough edges on you. I did not want to hear that. But it has been so true and that I did not rebuke, I did not refuse, I allowed God to be God in my life so that I didn't hear what I wanted to hear. I heard what God wanted me to hear and I applied my life to his truth. We are a society today that go, well, if I don't hear what I want to hear here, there's another church right down the road, or I don't even need to go down the church down the road. I can just, there's all kinds of different things I can hear and watch right on the web. Truth can hurt. Will you allow it to hurt? And I think it's so interesting. Did you know that a muscle doesn't grow unless it hurts first? Where do you think the most, the most important muscle that you ever have is your heart? I've had so many things hurt my heart and it's the greatest place of growth in my life. The greatest place of growth in my life. And I've watched so many people that won't allow the hurt to come in their life so that God can grow them. They let that hurt detour their life instead of mature their life. Now, I didn't say that God wanted the hurt. In heaven, God's not going to bring hurt so that you can grow. 
But while on this earth, sin is all around us, God's design and his plan will allow those things in your life. You'll be you'll either bitter or better. It's your choice. Bitter or better. Would you please bow your heads, close your eyes. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, there is no greater decision that you can ever make in the face of time on this earth than to choose Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Or maybe you've made that choice in times past and the Bible says very explicitly in the last days, many will wander and depart from the faith. If that's you, or you've never chose and surrendered your life wholly to him in the first place. If either one of those scenarios are you, this moment would be the greatest moment in the history of your life to choose Jesus, to choose him first, to choose him to be the leader and the Lord of your life. Say, Pastor Ron, I, I want to make that choice right now. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I say, it's me. Anybody here in this today? Say, that's me. I want to make that choice today. All right. Let's pray together. All of us say, Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life to new steps. I ask you for eyes to see your plan and your purpose for my life. God, I pray that my prayer life goes to new places. Lord, I pray that your word would be inspired in my heart that I would live out your plan and your design in Jesus' name. Amen. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.